Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Y'all ready to dig into God's Word today? Yeah, well, let's see how, how, what kind of Christmas spirit you're in. Merry Christmas. It's pretty close. I, I get it. I get it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. I'm going to see if I can stump you with a few Christmas phrases. Any trivia people we like? How many? Who's competitive? Let me see. Who's, who's competitive in the room? Some of y'all are lying in church. I'm just telling you right now. If I split this place into two different teams and we had a competition, you couldn't hold it in. It would just, it would just come out. I, I know some of you are more competitive. How many of you married a competitive person? Oh, we have more hands. Imagine that. Imagine that. All right, let's see how you do. Let's see how you do. You fill in the blank. Tis the season to be. All right. All right. All right. Have yourself a merry. Pastor Sean, they must have been rehearsing. It's the most. Some of you couldn't help but sing that. It's the most wonderful time. All right, see where we're going here. Stretch out a little bit. Some of you got to look way far back. All I want for Christmas is my two, my two front teeth. Some of you had to repeat it too. All right, here's this one. Walking in a, I'm not doing a good job of stomp, uh, stumping you here. All right, last one. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good. You knew every single one of them, didn't you? And the things you, if you didn't, the things you learned at Our Savior's Church, I'm telling you, we will. But we, we know all those sayings, don't we? We've, we've heard them for years. They're constantly before us. They're in books They're in movies, they're in music, they're even in those cute little social media posts that you see when you scroll up and down. They're everywhere, and many of us have even attached some of our greatest memories and even some of our hardest times, important moments, feelings of hope, family memories have been attached to some of those phrases. How many of you, you saw some of those phrases and it made you think about something that you've related to the Christmas season in your life? own family. Well, here's the point. When phrases like that are repeated with such frequency, when life's hardest and greatest moments resonate with them, when they're important to the people that we love, something happens. They become so ingrained into our culture and our society. How could you not know them? Let's be honest. If there was somebody in the room that I put one of those phrases up and you didn't know the answer, the majority of people around you would look at you like, where have you been? How do you not know that? It's the power of repetition. The power of repetition. And if you want generations to remember and value something so important to your culture, that's how you do it. You repeat it. You celebrate moments around it and you share it with those who are important to you. And you say, Pastor John, what are you, what are you, what are you getting at today? I need you to understand the culture of that very first Christmas. I need you to understand what was going on in the hearts and the minds of the people there during the time when Jesus was born and what was going on 
in their surrounding culture. Because I think if you understand that, you'll understand why that first Christmas was so special and so important. So here's an example. Follow me. Imagine that you're a Jew. You are a descendant of Abraham. Imagine growing up, hearing your entire life that God has a special plan. You're part of an incredible family. You're part of God's chosen people. You with me so far? Okay. While your ancestors were in slavery by a more powerful nation, here's what God did. God, after a series of plagues, shows up and powerfully demonstrates his power. He sends an angel of death to the households of all of your captives. And the firstborn son dies so that you guys could be free and leave. And not only that, while you're leaving, while you're fleeing captivity, God parts the seas so that you and your family could walk on dry land. And if that wasn't incredible enough, once you got to the other side, the army that was pursuing you, he closed the sea and drowned every single one of them. I'm not talking about small miracles that you could overlook. I'm talking about the big stuff. And imagine your whole life, several times a year, everybody you know and love talks about those days, celebrates those days, how we were enslaved and God set us free. We were in captivity and God freed us, not just a little bit, but with big, powerful demonstration. Think about that story told to children, generations after generation after generation. And then, as if that weren't enough, after you migrated to the land that he promised to give you, God himself promised to give you victory after victory after victory after victory as you confronted and fought for your way into the land that God has given you. Staggering victories, by the way. Not just little bitty, bitty victories, like big stuff. You came to a city with a wall so large they would race chariots around it. It was impenetrable. And when you and your family walked up to it, God said, all you got to do is walk around it seven times. And on the seventh time, you shouted the way God told you to, and the whole wall came down flat. Wow. Amazing. You grew up hearing and believing that when we needed God the most, God showed up in a powerful way. A little shepherd boy threw a rock in a sling and killed a giant with one shot. This is not the kind of God, we are not the kind of people that just small things happen to. Remember, you grew up your entire life. That's all you heard. That's all you knew. That's all you saw. Everything that God ever promised, he has happened for you and your people. Every victory, every defeat, every captivity, every restoration and your entire family history has fallen into this cycle of events. Let's look at them. Here's the first one. God came to us powerfully and used a mighty man to save us. We trusted God. We followed the man that he put in leadership. God blessed us. We turned from God following ourselves. Then we faced hardships. We looked to God. God came to us powerfully and used a mighty man to save us. And on and on the cycle continues. Y'all following me so far? I'm getting to Christmas in just a second. Now imagine that you're living in your promised land that God promised for you and the largest military nation 
in the world has come in and has conquered and has taken over. And out of their kindness, selfishness, and mercy, they're letting you live there just under their rules. You grew up God's nation, God's people. Hardship is nothing for you. He's parted the Red Seas. You've walked on dry land, little stones knocking out big giants, and nothing has happened for years. And you're wondering, and you're wondering, and you're wondering. You're looking to God. God, just do what you've always done, God. When are you going to knock these walls down flat, God? When are you going to part these seas for us, God? When are you going to do the things we know you do? We're your chosen people, God. Where are you? And you say, Pastor Don, why are you? This is not a Christmassy message. It's like most wonderful time of the year, and you've got us on the edge of our seats here. What, what's going on? In the middle of every hardship that they face, listen to me, God sent a Savior. They just had to look for him, and they just had to follow him when he came. And for generations, that's how it worked. Yet this time, they missed it completely. They missed it completely. And I'm setting the stage for our Christmas story and why many didn't see the Savior that God brought them. He was right before their eyes, and they missed him. I would say it this way. He was everything that the Jews had hoped for, but he didn't come in the way that they expected. And as a result, they lived their lives without him. The same can be true today. Do you know that many people will live their lives without the Savior that God sent them, the Savior that they're hoping for, simply because they didn't recognize him and the way he was coming to help them? Y'all following me so far? Have I set the tone for Christ? You got to understand, it's, it's important. The title for our Christmas or our Christmas conversation today is this. Say this with me. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. My kids have a, a, a dad joke that they say a lot. I like it. Maybe it's just because of my dad. And it goes something like this. He said, I saw them throw the ball and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it hit me. Literally, the ball hit. It was much better in my head than, than there. Here's what I need you to understand about the Messiah and that individual that Scripture had promised God was going to send these people to save them. Here's, here's what I need you to understand. The sheer number of prophecies and markers given in their Jewish written history, given in the Old Testament, is staggering. One, one scholar, J. Barton Payne, has found as many as 574 verses in your Old Testament that refer to the Messiah or the coming Savior. 574. Another, Alfred Edersheim, found 456 Old Testament verses referring to the Messiah or the way things were going to be once he came. I'm not just talking about a few random things. There's a lot of history that's here talking about the Messiah that was coming. They were ready. They were looking for hundreds of years. They've been looking for the Messiah. Here's one of those passages from the prophet Isaiah. Again, prophets have been written about him for centuries. Listen to this. For unto us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And the Messiah was coming. Their entire history, their entire tradition had been looking to, reading about, waiting for a Savior to come to powerfully deliver them from their problem and their captivity. Y'all with me so far? Everything God said that he was going to do, he has done. And here's the craziness. Here's the crazy realities of the Christmas story and the missed Messiah that came. Here it is. They didn't miss the Messiah because they didn't believe God. They missed the Messiah because they were only looking for what they wanted, not what they needed. They missed the Messiah because they were looking for what they wanted, what they expected, instead of what God brought, what they actually needed. Look what they've been reading. Same passage. Listen to this. This is what they've been reading for 750 years. For a child is born to us. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the increase of his government over his kingdom, uphold it with justice. You see the language is so strong and so powerful and God's going to do it. We just got to look. When's it coming? It, it, it's coming. And if you're reading that, I can imagine them saying, man, let's go. I'm ready. Let, let's go. One of us, a son is given. A kingdom of justice. Yes, God, increase his government. This Roman government is crazy. A mighty God, an everlasting father. And then, and then we're going to join him militarily like our ancestors did. And we're going to get these guys and eradicate them completely. Roman who? right? That's what they're coming. That's what they're expecting. That's what they're hoping to see. And they were so busy looking for the strong and powerful military leader that they failed to see the baby, the one who would bring peace, the one who would bring comfort, the one who would establish a new kind of kingdom, not continue the old. And God intended to do it all without their effort. They missed it. Listen, that comes, it comes by easy. Their credit, it's very easy to overlook. We're going to look at the same passage of Scripture that I just showed you. This will be the third time, but we're going to change the emphasis. Look at these words. For unto us a what? A child is born. A child is going to start with a little one, not with a grown man. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful counselor, not general so-and-so, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, of the increase of peace, there will be no end to establish it, to start all over again. Yes, with justice, but also with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And look at this, and I don't need you to do anything because the zeal of the Lord is going to do this for us automatically. I don't need you to raise arms and and start a coup, and we're not going to rebel from the inside. God's after something different. Again, they missed the Messiah because they were expecting one thing, and God brought another. Do you see it? The same promise, the same passage, but different lenses. Look for the Savior one way, and you'll miss him. Look through a different lens, 
and you will see him so clearly. Look to your neighbor and say, I didn't see that coming. There's an old story about waiting on God that I'll adapt with some Cajun references so I can keep everybody's attention. Um, But listen, there was a man living in the Ninth Ward, a very religious man, a devout Christian. He was devout in his faith, and he decides to trust God and not evacuate from Hurricane Katrina. Now, if you remember Hurricane Katrina in the Ninth Ward of New Orleans, it's a big deal. As the levees begin to break and his neighborhood begins to flood, his unsaved neighbor paddles over on his P-Row. He says, come on, man, I got room in the boat. Jump in, I'll save you. And at the audacity that his unsaved neighbor would try to be his savior, he simply looks at him and says, no, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna turn to my faith. God will save me. And he prays, oh God, please save me. I trust you, you're faithful. You've never let me down. And the waters continue to rise, and now he finds himself praying from the second floor balcony, and the waters are, are rising below. Please, God, save me. A gator tail motorboat pulls up. Local Cajun Navy comes by the balcony at this point. Says, look, man, come on. Let me save you. I got this. Come on in. And he says, no, 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 no. I trust God. He'll save me. He's faithful. He's never let me down. The waters continue to rise. At this point, he's cut a hole in his roof up through his attic, and he's now sitting on the roof soaking wet when a helicopter comes wheeling over. Down from the top, a ladder rolls, and the state trooper gets on the megaphone, and he says, hey, grab the ladder, and we will save you. Predictably, the man replies, I don't need the government to save me. My God has never failed me. I trust him to save me. The water continues to rise. The man dies. And standing before God, he asks, God, why did you let me die? Why didn't you save me like you did all those times before? God looks at him and says, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What else do you want? My man, two boats and a helicopter. It's a funny story. But it's easier than you think, right? I, I, don't, I don't believe in organized religion, Pastor Don. I don't, I don't, I don't go to church because I don't believe in organized religion. You're going to love it here. We're, we're not organized at all in, 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 in what we do. No, no, Pastor Don, you don't understand. I've been hurt by church before. I've been hurt by church before. Guess what? Me too. This week, and I'm the pastor. Like, I get it. I, I, I get it. Well, no, 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 Pastor. All Christians are hypocrites. They're, they're, they're all hypocrites. I got room for one more. Come on, you'll fit right in to what God is doing. And we laugh, but maybe, maybe you're in church every week, but you're not participating. You're not participating. You're looking for God to move. And you say, I don't, I don't need next steps. Pastor John, if you can just, just show me in Scripture where Jesus says in the red letters, I need to take my next step, then maybe I'll stand back after service and listen to what you guys are having to say. I, I, don't, I don't need small groups, Pastor Don. I'm more of a loner guy. I just kind of keep to myself in the middle of that. Mom and I have been fine in our marriage. We don't have any problems. Let's, let's save the room in the small groups for the other people that, that, that need it. 
Or maybe, maybe you say, well, I guess just some people need to serve in church in order to feel like they've accomplished something all week long. Because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really busy already in my work and in my job and with the kids, and, and I don't need to serve. And all the while, God is trying to send you the growth that you need, the relationships that you desire, and the peace that's required to live in this chaotic world and you keep refusing it because you think God's going to do those things in your life the way you think they will, not the way God is trying to do them in your life. God, I believe in you. God, you can do it. And he's brought you to a church and he's surrounded you with people that will help you. And he's trying to help you, but you're missing it because it's not coming the way you expected it to come. God's doing something different. We have a lot more in common with this first Christmas story than, than we think, don't we? Oh, so we get to read our books as if we know the end and what's happening. How do they not know that that's Jesus, the Messiah? And we sit here in church every Sunday and we miss the thing God's trying to do for us because we're expecting it one way and not the other. Hey, do you have any toes left this morning, have I stepped on all of them? Okay, stretch your feet out. I got a few more, a few more to go. They were looking for this kind of Messiah. This is the kind of Messiah they were looking for. Daniel chapter 7. Again, they'd read about this for years. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of a man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Verse 14. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Surely this Messiah, this kind of Messiah, wouldn't get betrayed by his own people. Arrested? No, 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 no. Not, not the Messiah God's going to send us. Put, a, put on trial by the very people he's supposed to conquer, that's not going to happen. That's not the Messiah I've been hoping for and looking for and reading about. And death? Are you kidding me? Death is final. No way the Messiah we're looking for will be everlasting. That's what they were facing. They were so busy looking for one type of Messiah, they failed to notice the one that God actually sent. You say, well, why did God make it so hard to see that? He didn't. There was plenty of time, over 400, sometimes 500 different instances of what to look for in the middle. Here's another one. This is Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, written 500 years earlier. It says, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of what? Grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. They did not need military conquest. They needed heart transformation. That's what they needed. They didn't need a king to live above them. They needed a God who would come and live among them. That's what they needed. They needed somebody that would struggle with life, to be tempted by sin and overcome it. Look what Hebrews tells us about Jesus and his life on earth. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace and find grace to help in time of need. Here's my question. Here's my thought for you. This has been heavy on my heart for you all week long. Is it possible this Christmas season that you're looking for one thing and God's trying to bring you another? Is it possible? Is it possible that you wake up every morning and you're praying, God, if you would just do this, or if you would just change this, or God, if you would just fix this, and God's saying, I'm trying to give you what you need if you'll just see it as coming from my hand for you. You're looking for a way to just make mama happy. Yes, mom, I'll go to church with you. Come on, I'll go. And all the while, God's trying to introduce you to a group of people who will love you right where you are and become friends that will draw you closer to God instead of those friends that are drawing you away from God. You're coming for one thing. God's trying to do another in you. You're looking to earn favor. You're looking to earn a good standing and, and, and be okay with God by the things you do and, and by sitting in church for an hour or so every week and, and maybe, just maybe, to get a little bit of favor when the offering bucket comes by, you'll put something in there just to get on God's good side. You're earning it. And all the while, God's trying to show you He loves you already. Couldn't love you anymore. That price has already been paid and a relationship with Jesus is the only standing in heaven that you're going to need. God's trying to bring you one thing, but you're looking for another. You're looking for God to eradicate those sin patterns in your life so you won't struggle with that particular sin anymore. But you do, and he hasn't. So you think, well, I guess I'll never overcome that. I guess that'll just be part of my life forever. All the while, God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And what you struggle with today, you will help others with tomorrow. That's the kind of God we serve. That's what he's trying to bring you in the middle of the struggle. Are you with me? God with us, Emmanuel, is this season. How many of you found God use an area of struggle in your past and he's used that to help somebody else in the present. Anybody else? Look at the hands. God has used something that he's done in your past. It was a struggle for you, and now God is using it to make a difference in somebody else. I've said it this way. God will never do something in you that he doesn't intend to do through you. But you got to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear what God is doing. Didn't see that coming, did you? Here's the whole point. This Christmas, I don't want you to miss what God has promised and what you've been waiting for just because you're expecting it to come in a different package. I want you locked in to what God is doing because we serve a God who is good and great and powerful and he's gonna do what he wants to do in your life the way he intends it, but you'll miss it if you're looking for one thing and not the other. God has promised a Messiah he just plans to use a baby, born of a virgin, to live a life free from sin, to satisfy sin's requirement of death for everyone. It wasn't just for them, it was for you and for me. God has promised deliverance, not from the captivity of Rome and deliverance from the penalty of taxation. No, no, he's bringing deliverance from the captivity of sin and the penalty of death. Much different. Much different. I know that God has promised 
a healthy marriage for you. And he plans to use a small group in other marriages to bring about the health that you need. And I promise if you'll let him, he'll use your brokenness and, and the marriages in your life today to bring a healing to another marriage in the future. You may find yourself sitting on one side of the table today, but if you'll let him, God will put you on the other side of the table helping somebody else in the near future, and I bet you won't see it coming. That's the kind of God that we serve. Your struggle with pornography, listen, there will be a day when the struggle is no longer daily, a day where you stand before others and help them find the path to freedom. That's what God wants to bring you. Are you looking for him to help you? Your fear and your insecurity today. God wants to bring you a day where what you speak and the things you write set freedom and security to other people because you found that freedom and that security in him. God's going to do it. I bet you didn't see that coming. God's going to do it inside of you. The Christmas story, the story we read about, is the story of how God sent Jesus into our lives so that we could forever be changed. This room is full of Christmas stories. Christ come stories. I think about Lance. You guys saw Stephanie, his wife, on stage today. Stephanie, to think that just a few months ago, Lance went from questioning God's existence to today speaking into the lives of our students, helping them navigate their, their relationship with the Lord. That's incredible. That's incredible to me. Say this with me. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. Marcus, to watch you go from using every minute of your day to keep a struggling business afloat to now spending hours a week learning skills that help others literally hear the gospel. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. Lisa, to go from looking for a place to fit in to looking for a person to pour in to. I didn't see that coming. But I'm so glad God did in the middle of that. I'm so glad. Many of you know Gerard and his story. To go from watching groups take place in another room to now leading and coaching group leaders and leaders of groups across our entire church. Say it with me. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming. But God did. God did. God saw it coming. Miss Chick Mahoney. Who would have thought? 40 years old. In the 70s. In the Jesus movement. God would touch her life. Her five sons had given her all kind of hell. And I don't know, to be honest with you, Mike's sitting right there next to her, I don't know that we could overstate that from the stories that I've heard. She leaves the Bible study on a Tuesday morning, changed, born again, born again. Her husband, five sons, now 19 grandchildren, 31 great-grandchildren, Hey, say that with me. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. 
And I could tell you story after story after story of God's faithfulness in the lives of people that they never saw coming. And my heart for you this Christmas season is that you wouldn't miss what God is trying to bring you just because you're trying to see it your own way. God can do what God wants to do the way God wants to do it, and I just want to let him do it in my life. I don't want to be like them that day, that first Christmas, where they missed what God was doing because they had their mindset that God was only going to do it this way. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes and just listen to my voice. How about you? I mean, that's the question. How, how about you? How about your life? Could it be that this Christmas, this Christmas, you finally discover that God is real? That Jesus did come, that hope is here, that peace is possible, that grace has been given, and that forgiveness is free. I bet you didn't see that coming, but God did. Exactly as he promised, but probably not like you expected. And I'm telling you, that's the Christmas story for all of us. Even the growing Christians in this room, we've all had to trust God in ways we didn't expect to receive everything that he's promised. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And my prayer for you this Christmas season is that you would have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is saying to you, what God wants to do, not just in your life, but through your life. And I'm telling you, that, that journey starts in a way that none of us saw coming. Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus, a religious man, a man who other people looked to to try to find out what God was doing. And he looked at this, this religious man and he said, you're not going to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. You won't even be able to see it unless you are born again. Nicodemus replies, born again? What are you talking about? Do I need to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus helps him. He says, no, no, there's, there's a birth that happens through water. And then there's a birth that happens through the spirit. Here's what he's saying. There's a first birth that we all have when the water breaks and our moms deliver us. And then there's a rebirth that happens when God and his spirit comes through no effort of your own and brings you to life inside. There's a part of you that awakens to be able to see God for the way he is, to see Jesus for the way God intended, and to see your life in a way that you never expected. 